Hey, it's your host, Charlotte Chipperfield, and welcome to the Holistic Marketing Podcast, the show that inspires you to think holistically about yourself, your business, and your marketing to ignite the impact you desire to have in the world. We'll learn what it takes to be seen and heard in the digital space from leading experts and myself as the founder and CEO of Chipperfield Media. Get ready to own your marketing by exploring the intersection of purpose and proactive marketing to move your business forward. So today I have the pleasure of welcoming Kira Wackett to the Holistic Marketing Podcast, and I am so excited that you are here, not only because you are one of my most favorite and cherished people of all time, but you are also an incredible artist, you're a licensed therapist, a coach, and you really help people to create a life rooted in authenticity and connection, which I believe is one of the most powerful things that we can give ourselves permission to do. So welcome, Kira. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and that this is now a thing that I get to not only be a proud listener of, but be a participant in. Yay. (laughs) Yes. So I'd love for you to tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are and what your mission is. Yeah. I think, well, you just gave me such an awesome introduction. So I already feel kind of warm fuzzies. I am all of those things. I think my background and sort of anchor point and everything I look at is that I have my training in essentially communication and connection with oneself and the world. And so that has come through my degree as a therapist, but it really extends into everything I do in terms of art and the ability to connect and to manifest your different visions and goals and realities into a canvas down to coaching or teaching and in my therapy practice as well. And so really my focus and everything that I do is I want to empower people to write their own story, to show up authentically, to be able to root into themselves, to lean into what that means for them and bring that into our connections in the world around us. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. Um, And I think you use so many of my favorite words from empowerment and rooting into ourselves. I think those are also things I talk a lot about in marketing and thinking about, you know, you as your, you know, as an entrepreneur, not only your personal values, but the business values and how do you really root into those to kind of anchor you as you are kind of writing your story. Yeah. Well, I'd love to kind of drill into values a little bit more and, kind of talk about the importance of defining them for ourselves and just really how that can set a foundation for for so many different areas in our life. Yeah, I think that one of the things that is so interesting when I work with people on identifying their values is I think there's this, this need to go back and understand where our values first come from and how they become defined for us so that we can make sense of how we can shift and pivot and define them for ourselves. And so for so many of us, we're born into a family, a community, a culture that has values that are really ingrained and entrenched within our way of living. And so we naturally absorb some of those that might be your family's value in, let's say, spirituality or harmony or connection and what that looks like. There might be a value of hard work or leadership that shows up in your community or the culture that you're a part of. And what we are born into and how we exist within those different areas really breeds what we see as important. 
And for many of us, that ends up becoming something that's important for us down the road. It's It becomes our values as adults. It becomes the values that we bring into our personal and professional lives. And sometimes those values are being carried with us and kind of imagining as we get older and transition to a new backpack or a purse or a, a bag, whatever it is, it's almost like we keep repacking these values and taking them with us. And we don't always stop to say, do they still fit? Or even if the value fits, is the definition different? And so, so much of what I love about what you're doing with the holistic marketing approach is really having people create the opportunity and to accept the invitation to look at their values and to really do that kind of questioning of, for example, for me, when I was growing up, there was this value that was put on family that I still have a family value, but the definition of what that looked like and what it meant to have this family value and the expectations around it and how you live into it, it's actually very different from how I define it for myself. And so I think so much of the things that we, and I'm sure we'll, we'll go there, is thinking about how do you, how do you untether yourself from the external pressures and norms that were put on you without judgment, without seeing those as better, worse, bad, you know, whatever that might be, and create and really root into values that align for you and not just the word or the concept, but definitions that really align with how you want to live, how you want to think, act, talk, be in your life so that you feel more fulfilled. Yes. Oh my gosh. So much good. (laughs) So many good points there. And I would love to kind of talk about how to, before we even start getting into like how we define the values, how does one even start to get the awareness around evaluating their values? I think that's something that we hear values thrown around a lot, but how do we actually look at them in our own life? And is it a matter of sitting down and journaling about what our values are? I think, like you said earlier, some of them are so ingrained from such a young age, like hard work. And I think it's something we just live and breathe into. And it's hard to kind of step back and go, wow, is that a value that is aligned with me and where I am now? Yeah. So you're one of the things that you really work to teach people is that their values become sort of the seed to move forward in their work. So if they're, if they identify their values, everything can sort of become habituated and aligned with, and just sort of naturally aligns with their values because they've done that initial foundation work. And so that's really awesome. Once we know what those foundational points are, when we're thinking about, well, what are the values that we've been living in or have been kind of conducting our life up to this point, if our lives have already been habituated and automated around the values, it can be really difficult to just look at a list and say, well, here are the values that I bring into my life every day. And so a lot of the times, I think it starts by really doing what I call an assessment of your fuck spending, which is really thinking about what This is the time, the money, and the energy that you're investing in your everyday life. And so getting to know how do you spend your time? Where are you going? What are you doing? Where is your money going? Where is your energy going? And starting to really look at and do an assessment of where those things are going, because those will be anchored to the values that you've been living in up to this point. And it's really hard when you start to do this, one, because I think... It's kind of like when you start to know, I remember doing quizzes and 
I think it was like Cosmopolitan or Cosmo Girl, whatever those magazines were, where you'd start oh to be God, able to- I loved those yeah. places. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how you'd start to realize like, oh, if it's mostly C, this probably means I'm going to be this person. Or like you already knew going into the quiz kind of what you wanted it to be. So you start to be like, oh, I, yeah, yeah, I think this is it. And you start to really- you shift to try to make it look either better or more in line with what you want it to be rather than doing sort of a natural assessment. And so this is hard because as you start to look at where you're spending your time and your money and your energy, you kind of want to write the story a little bit different than the reality of what it is. And so the two parts of the process, I think, are one, just creating a space without judgment, really just noticing, getting curious about and seeing that as really your starting point to build where you want to go. And then the second piece really going into and saying, so where where did the pressure come from for me that I have to do X, Y, and Z? Why am I, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot in various ways we've worked together personally and professionally. But the idea for me of I had such a value around money that was not rooted in things that felt positive or felt like they were tied to abundance and emotional and mental health and well-being and and just the idea of wealth and the way I defined it, but more in this like scarcity mindset and needing to make a certain amount of money to be worthy. And so my value was, I didn't realize had been so deeply entrenched in me that it was almost making it where I wouldn't take time off. I was putting out content or ideas even before they were ready because I felt this pressure like I had to be making money to be of value and to be worthy. And so going back and looking at that and realizing, oh, wow, that's been, that's been dictating my life for years. And I had no idea until I got curious about sort of understanding the anchor points or the whys and the actions that I'm doing up to this point. Yes. Oh my gosh. Those money stories. I know it's something that we've talked a lot about. And I, I think I attribute my own money stories and belief around money to be the number one thing that's held me back in my business. Mm. And it's something that you know, I have spent a lot of time in the last two years specifically going really deep and understanding where those come from, what stories have I been telling myself, um, what beliefs do I want to be looking to? Because I think we do live in a culture where our worth is very much so defined by how much we're earning yes. and not about the impact that we're having. So for me, that's been such a powerful shift in just changing that mindset from that scarcity into more abundant. And it's incredibly hard to do. And it takes a lot of work and really focusing on what is important. And so I think that's, again, another area where your values just really help to anchor you in because it's tied to kind of the why behind what you are doing. Yeah. And I think it's that piece too of, you know, so then if you look at it and you think, well, okay, money has been too much, too much of a priority, or I've been over prioritizing it. And then you feel this pressure, like you shouldn't care at all. And so we can swing from this sort of all or nothing feeling. And I think that pressure comes with the judgment that inevitably is going to come in the door for all of us, as much as it would be nice if we could just be curious and kind of look at it. It's human nature. And it's kind of the, the way that shame and our own negative self-talk comes into play. And so instead it's thinking, I was, I was given this belief. I was given this value. I was given this definition of what these values looked like. And there's ways I can shift that. Values don't have to be, they're not, you know, they're not all or nothing. Like I said, with family, the way I approach and see what living in line with a family value looks very different than some other people's does. And so it's, 
it's more about shifting then, well, what does the definition look like? Because I can still, I can still value making a living. I can still value making money or having an impact in ways that pays me back in terms of whether it's the finances, the connection, the opportunity. It's just, again, not letting that be the primary anchor point, letting that be an extension, but not the not the the rooted seed that I'm in and thinking instead, kind of like you said, with with impact, really getting clear on, okay, so maybe that is my value that and having this impact on the world. Well, what does that look like? Get very specific, very clear. And ultimately, is it really that if I have 10,000 followers, my impact is bigger? Is that really the case or is that kind of the external pressure or invitation to these values or definitions that don't fit for me? How do I come back and say, no, impact to me means you know X, Y, and Z. And whatever that is, letting that be your anchor point. And then I think kind of in line with what you're saying then comes the trust of knowing if you anchor to the things that are important to you and simultaneously believe in and trust that those things can bring that sense of abundance and that return on your investment, then you can start to see how it kind of creates this ripple effect and spiral that allows you to keep rerouting and leaning into those pieces. Absolutely. And I think that's what's so powerful about us being able to assess your values is being able to acknowledge that they're not set in stone. They're not poured in concrete and they're kind of this thing that can evolve and change with you over time. And again, looking at the definition of what does wealth really look like for you. And I think, again, going back to this kind of money mindset, we have this idea that you need to be a multimillionaire or, you know, have six-figure businesses. You see people talking about that all the time. Like, this is how I built my six-figure business and I'm going to help you do it too. And Mm -hmm. again, looking at like, what does wealth really mean to you? And I think even this year with COVID hitting and just having our lives disrupted in such a way has allowed me even to look at like, what does wealth really look like to me? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's not actually about being a millionaire. When I ran the numbers, it was like, wow, I want to pay off the rest of my debt and I want to be able to pay my bills with ease and I want to be healthy. I mean, for me, health really is the ultimate definition of wealth. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, there's such a power in being able to really define what your values mean to you. And I think being able to shift into that mindset of curiosity is so powerful because I know even when I first started looking at my values that there was so much judgment that came up Mm -hmm. and almost like this, you know, beating yourself up because it's like, you're not meeting some expectation that, you know, either was put on you from a, a belief you didn't realize you had or society. And I think it's so powerful when you can kind of shift into curiosity and just start learning versus being like, this is wrong or this is right. Yeah. And I think what you said that's really key too, is the idea of the ebb and flow of our values. And so even the ways that let's say that you have health and your health and well-being as a primary value, what that looks like and how you define it now might be completely different from how you define it in six months or a year. Even thinking how you defined health and well-being pre-pandemic to during this pandemic might look different. And so I think it's there's two components that are really difficult. It's one, being willing to just get curious again about your the values that you had and maybe don't feel like they are truly in line with what you want or what you need and figuring out how to kind of grieve that and let that go. But then the second thing is being flexible to know that 
they are going to change. You and I had, when we had our retreat this, you know, in December of last year, and we got together and we're both really trying to revamp and hone in on what our business plans look like, how we can continue to bring intentionality and focus into the work that we're doing. And both of us, I know, have come back multiple times and said, huh, there's been an interesting shift or a pivot. And and how how those goals and those values that we've brought up for ourselves, we've both had to show up with that flexible grace to realize what I thought I wanted is is not what I wanted or what I wanted is no longer relevant for who I am now. And so it's this, this realization that we're always going to be changing. And I think I talk about this with clients all the time. We need to reassess and check in with your values every six months at minimum, just making sure that those things are, that we are anchoring on those pieces. And, you know, ultimately with a company or with a business, you kind of want to have things feel a little bit more consistent and aligned. But one of the things we talk about is you're going to have many more values that you can, then you can focus on too. So even thinking, you know, if I give people a list of values, oftentimes they'll circle like 60 values. These are all really important to me. And it's like, well, that's true. And if you try to do all of the things, you're not going to do any of the things. So even just thinking and bringing the invitation to maybe the focus for this quarter, for me right now, my focus is on being a learner and really understanding what that means for me and rewriting a a definition that fits. Maybe next quarter or in six months, my definition of that is going to look different or my focus will look different. But it's that, yeah, that ebb and flow, that give and take. And I think that flexibility that you're kind of alluding to that we have to have both personally and professionally to keep anchoring ourselves to our work and to best serve the people that we are trying to show up and serve in our businesses. Absolutely. And I think that flexibility is so key. And I know, you know, you know me and know that I'm very much so like a planner. And when I say I'm going to do something, commit to something, it gets done. And I think one of the biggest challenges for me has been able to give myself permission to change direction, even if I didn't check off that to-do list or that item on the to-do list, but really giving myself permission to not only change direction, but to change my mind and to really be flexible and lean into you know, what, you know, how can I really serve the people that I want to serve in a way that also serves myself Mm -hmm. in the sense that I'm not getting burnt out all the time, uh, delivering something that doesn't feel fully aligned with, you know, again, going back to the word impact and really serving people in the way that I want to have that impact. Yeah. And I know that you talk a lot about managing your fucks and you mentioned it earlier, and Mm -hmm. I just absolutely love this phrase. And I think this is actually a good good segue to what we were just talking about with defining, you know, our time that we give and being, giving ourselves permission to change directions and be flexible. So I'd love for you to dive into that a little bit more and maybe think about how we can all better manage our fucks um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to our businesses. Yeah, I think that, so really those three buckets, the time, the money, and the energy are where we need to assess our expenses. And I think all of us, if we have started a business, if we are thinking about starting a business, the money one comes up pretty quickly for everybody and kind of thinking, well, what do I need to make? What do I want to make? How am I spending my money? You have to really be thinking about your budget right away. And so I think it's really important to also consider how and, and ask the question, why does our time and our energy not get the same sort of urgency and pressure when we're getting ready to start a business? So for example, with time, 
you know that I've been guilty of this and I finally gave myself permission this year of how many things was I spending time on that I could give, maybe extend and spend more money to save myself time by hiring a VA or having someone else do something for me so that my time could be more protected or even just thinking about where is my energy going and does that serve me? And so what I think is so important for us, again, personally and professionally and for solopreneurs, small business owners, the personal is professional. And I, and that's not to say that even in bigger companies, that's not the case. But I think especially for us, really considering that these things, you can't really separate them out in any true fashion, because we are really wanting to lean into, again, our values being something that tethers us to our own lives and to the work that we're doing. And so it's really, I think the opportunity is there for all of us to assess how are you currently spending your time? How is your energy being spent? And what's the return on your investment for those expenditures? I like to have people make, essentially, I put a bunch of buckets down and say, okay, I want you to make a list of all of the things that you are spending time and energy on every day, every week, every month, whatever that might look like. And let's put in those buckets everything that's happening, right? So it might be, well, I spend time on Netflix, social media, I spend time with, let's say, my family, I'm doing meal prepping, I'm working out, I'm answering emails, you know, get very, get granular to a degree, right? Get all these buckets of what we're doing. And then let's look at, okay, well, if you have only a certain amount of coins in a day, certain amount of time coins and energy coins, I want you to now show me your budget of how you're spending it for each of those two pieces, your time and your energy for everything that you just put out there. And what's interesting is as we do it, we start to realize, again, you get that same sort of like, oh, I don't really want to tell you how much time I've spent on social media, just sort of browsing through my newsfeed, or I don't really want to tell you how much time I've spent, you know, answering, re-looking at, going through emails, whatever that might be. There's sort of a judgment that can come with it. But instead, we just go, huh, interesting. I spend a significant amount of time on Instagram, and then I have to consider, okay, great is that investment serving me, right? And so that return for some people might be, yeah, it serves me really well. That's my self-care. That's my time break. That's how I get my news, whatever it might be. For some, it might be, huh, no, it's the thing that I do when I'm avoiding doing the self-care that I tell myself I don't have time for or answering the emails that feel really hard that I don't want to do or pitching for a new project or whatever that might be. And so I think, I really like to think of it as assessing your investment portfolio. And, and that's oftentimes people will need to do it with someone else. And I love doing this with people and really thinking, how can I hold space again in a non-judgmental way to look at it? And then we say, okay, so if this is your now. Let's just say this is your starting point. What's the end point? What's the goal? Where do you want to get to? How do you want to be investing your time and your energy? Where do you want those big returns to be coming in? And then how do we shift? from that starting point to that goal point or that end point in micro shifts. So we talk, I talk a lot about 1% changes. If this is where we're at, what's the next 1% change to move you in that direction? Maybe it's, okay, we're going to not look at your email for the first 30 minutes of the day, or we're going to really build in more time to paint, or we're going to not have you be on so many calls that feel like they're draining your energy. But just really making these micro shifts so that that way 
it you start to build up more of a sense of self-efficacy and kind of snowball towards the place you want to go rather than feeling like you have to climb the whole mountain at one time. Yes, that's so important. And I love this concept of being able to budget your time and energy just like you would your finances. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times, just even in the last few weeks, I've heard you pop into my head and be like, what's the 1% change that can happen right now? <laughs> and I think it's such a, it's almost like a permission giving tool because mm-hmm. again, you know, I think as high achievers, it's like, it's very easy to be like, commit to a project or I'm going to revamp this area of my business or I'm going to create this new product or new service. And it's really easy, you know, for me as a creator to like go in all for that and just, I want to get it out as soon as possible, but it's mainly because I'm so excited about it and I see the value. But then while it really energizes me, it is kind of taking all of my time away where I do need to spend time in other areas. And so for me, sometimes it's like, okay, what's the one step I can take today? So that 1% change or um, what's the one thing I can do that's still going to help me move forward and feel like I'm investing in it, but it doesn't have to be 100% done today. And for me, I think that's such a valuable thing. And it really does give me permission to be like, you don't have to have your foot on the gas all day long, every day, but to really kind of, you can drive to the store, Mm -hmm. (laughs) pick up what you need and then come back. I don't need to go on a cross country road trip every day. Well, I think you, you're naturally sort of bridging the, the connection between doing this assessment and really considering how we're spending our time and how we're spending our energy to thinking about values-driven living. Because when that happens, that's amazing. I've had that same thing happen where I'll get a painting idea or I'll, you know this, you were with me the afternoon. I'm like, I'm ready to launch this course. And by that evening, I had the course page ready to go and I had everything happening. And that's awesome. And there are times where I really want to spend that time and energy in those avenues. But the other thing that's really important is to consider what's the balance in our values. So for example, that creativity, that that content development, that ability to lead, to educate, whatever that might be, when you're spending all your time over there, let's let's just label that as creativity and that's how you're showing your creativity. Well, if I spend a week really living in creativity as my value, there are other values that are important to me that are also on the table, but being neglected. So the other thing you want to consider is even though sometimes it might feel like, yeah, but I want to do this. I want to keep doing this. You still have to invest in the other values overall. So, you know, even think, I'm sure you've been here too, where you have this amazing idea, you just want to keep working and you, you start to probably more subtly for me, it feels like I just even put it in my subconscious. I'll start to sacrifice sleep for this creative idea. I'll want to stay up all night painting or I'll want to keep working on something. This was definitely a bigger thing before my daughter was born because now I feel like sleep is like the best high in the world. And so I think, (laughs) I think this then kind of, I go back and look at it and I go, this is amazing. I've, I've been working on these creative projects. I've been doing all these things and I've been sacrificing my sleep, which actually is something that's a really important investment for my time and I've, I've been under-investing to over-invest over here. And the cost might actually be higher, even though it feels good. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's really this idea of thinking all, we have to bring in a balance to all of our values every week, every day, in a way that doesn't allow us to overspend in one area and then underspend in other places that ultimately lead to more long-term distress than 
than gain. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think, again, it's so important. Like, if you do have health as a value, you know, getting your sleep is an investment in your health. And I think that it is so easy for us, again, in this like hustle mentality to sacrifice that. And I think there's a lot of people who celebrate that. And I don't think, obviously, in the long run, that's very good for your health. And I don't think that you're able to produce as strong of work in the end of the day either. Yeah. And I think part of it too, is even thinking if, if I'm doing that, what's the long-term cost? And if we tie this back to our business, if, so I'll get stuck in the weeds of spending so much time writing posts, putting things out there, doing not even really marketing as much as content curation, but thinking about how I'll be doing all this and I'll be writing all this copy or I'll be spending all this time answering emails or working on some sort of scheduling tool or whatever. It's all technically under the umbrella of my business. It's all connected to what I need to do. But it's also then me making a choice in those moments to spend my time on, let's say it's email. Well, if I spend my two hours that I have where I can be doing something related to my business and I spend them all on email or I spend them all on writing social media posts or just engaging maybe on social media with followers is the return on that investment of that time the same as if I spent two hours maybe working on my sales page or working on even just creating some new content ideas or painting or even just having some time where I do some mind mapping or goal setting or planning around what I want to do. And so I think it's also considering how sometimes when we overvalue one or two things, we end up undercutting our long-term success. And so I talk a lot about this idea of short-term distress for long-term gain. And I think sometimes the diligence and setting ourselves up and keeping some structure and keeping that balance and how we are set, are spending our time and our energy is really important in order for us to not endure sort of the long-term distress of kind of keeping ourselves stuck in these grinds of predictable shittiness in our everyday experiences and keep us from really just thriving and embodying our message and living in it where it feels like it's less effort down the road. Yes. And I love that predictable shittiness. <laughs> uh such a great phrase. Yeah, I think this idea of, I, I always imagine, I mean, granted now in Portland, people don't really have grass in the same way as they did in the Midwest. I mean, they have plants and other things, but just imagine if we all had sort of this little circle of grass or turf and our, this sort of idea of just perfecting this, you know, maybe three meter radius of space that we're existing on. And we just, we stay in this sort of comfort place and we keep doing the same things, have the same actions. We don't love it. We kind of marinate on the idea of fine. And the reason that starts to happen is because the more we do that, the more we try to perfect these little zones or areas, our fear keeps coming in and gets stronger and stronger and says, well, if you try for anything different, it's probably all going to suck. So you might as well just stay here. And the possibility that things could be better, that, this coming back to that word you use of abundance, that there's the idea of abundance or that we could really get to a point where things can be flowing and just sort of, I don't even know, I'm just picturing like a stream, like this idea of just naturally sort of having this flow to them. 
we get so stuck in feeling like, well, but if I don't keep doing this, it's not going to happen. If I don't keep, if I don't say yes to all these projects that I actually hate and they make me really pissed off, if I don't keep doing that, I'm not going to have enough money to pay for these things to do these other things. Or if I don't keep engaging on social media, people are going to forget about me and no one's going to buy my course or no one's going to think about my product. And so we get stuck in the trap of the predictably shitty existence that is probably fine, but it it allows your fear brain and your anxious brain and your shame brain to take over. And so then those values that don't serve you and those investments that are actually creating a net loss in the long run keep being the the markers and sort of the the drivers of your bus personally and professionally versus you being able to to lead and to lean into the the why that you really want to show up with. Oh, there's so much power in everything you just said. And I think it's so important to really I mean, time is the resource that we don't get back. So being able to get really clear on how you're spending your time and, and maybe it is just, you can still engage with your, your following on social media, but maybe you set a timer and it's just 10 minutes a day or 10 minutes every other day mm-hmm. so that you are able to allocate, you know, those minutes in an hour to multiple different areas and, and be able to kind of chunk that out throughout each of your days, your weeks, your months, and, and then your years mm-hmm. too. And, and again, really making sure that you are living through your values. And then, you know, that's ultimately really connects you to yourself that I think then empowers you to connect with the people that you're, you're wanting to serve. Yeah. I think you just kind of perfectly outlined the, the domino effect of all of this. And I think Sometimes it is. It's coming back and realizing we need to relinquish that urgency factor that everything needs to happen right now and that success looks this sort of prepackaged, predefined way and consider what does success look like. For those of us that are have chosen to start our own business, yeah, sometimes there's a necessity factor and there's this element of choice. I have to come back to that a lot and think I could find a job working for someone else. I could go in and do these other things where I can you know, have consistent money. I don't have to worry about some of these anxiety pieces. There's a reason that I want to do this work that I'm doing. There's a belief that I have in what I'm offering and how I'm able to offer it, which is why I want to have my own business. And so it's really having to remind yourself of the downturn effects, the ripple that you're trying to create in your life and then in turn in in the lives of people around you. And sometimes that means having really hard conversations or grieving certain things or dealing with your shame and your resentment and all of these kind of nagging things in the underbelly of your existence. And you can't see me right now, but I'm like kind of like grabbing at my at my midsection here because that's where I feel like everything, that pitting feeling that sort of drives us so much of feeling like, oh, I should be doing blank or I have to be or I'm supposed to be doing blank. And it's really coming back and saying, that came from somewhere and it might've worked for me for a while and, and it might've worked for somebody else, but I don't have to keep saying yes to this invitation that I have to keep existing this way. And I have the right to choose to shift and pivot the way I'm showing up in my life to better serve me and therefore better serve the people around me. And I, I was noticing that even shortly after my daughter was born and I kept saying, well, I don't have time for this and I don't have time for this. And almost being resentful that now I'm in this position that I have this beautiful child that, I mean, 
you know that I also don't glorify to like a ridiculous end. I love being a parent. It's fucking hard. And there's so many things that are terrible about it. And sometimes I do want more time. But I also think I had to get back and realize there were times where my husband would say, Jordan, he'd say, well, why don't you go into the office or go take a few hours and shut the door and get these things done. And then I'd go upstairs and then I'm like, I'm just, I'm just going to go down and get a snack. Well, that was, you know, I'd go down and I'd spend a half hour with Everly and, and spend this time with her. And I had to get to the point to realize, oh, it's not that I don't have the time. It's that my values have shifted and I'm having a really hard time accepting that right now I don't want to do all the things I've told myself I should be doing. My shame's telling me I'm a shitty business owner. I'm I'm not good if I don't go and, and get all of these things or make this much money or thrive in the midst of a pandemic and kind of show up and, and do X, Y, and Z. The reality is that's no longer a value for me and that's okay. And that doesn't make me less valuable because I don't want to invest as much right now in this because I want to shift and pivot to invest in uncovering what this new role is and how this role is going to ultimately make me a better business owner and help me do better in the work that I want to do by learning how to just be present in these roles. Yes. And I think that's so such a good example of what you were talking about earlier is being able to go back and reassess your values. Mm -hmm. And then I think you're also speaking a lot to, again, going back to how we invest our time. But I think there's also this pressure that just because we have this extra window of time that we should be doing something Mm -hmm. versus it's okay to just be with our families or to just be or let your mind wander. I mean, there's so much power in doing that. And I mean, I think you know too, but I teach a lot about avoiding shooting town, Mm -hmm. which is this place of, you know, we hear so much information about what you should be doing. And even in the context of marketing, there's always like five things that you have to be doing in your marketing. And it's it's like those tips are very helpful sometimes, but if you don't have the context of how that's really going to move you forward or how it's connected to your purpose and aligned with your business, then you're not going to know how to take those next steps forward because you're following someone else's idea of what they think you should be doing, which may not be helpful whatsoever. And it's just ultimately distracting you from where you're trying to go. Yeah, I always picture that this idea of there's such an emphasis on shifting from being busy to being productive, which is like putting fresh coats of paint on shit covered walls because the undercurrent of what is pushing you is not being addressed. And so I can just I can get better and more productive at doing the things that again sort of exist within my predictable shittiness bubble. And so the the ultimate sort of transformation comes in intentionality and values-driven living, which is what you're talking about. There's, you could give people tons of tools. You have them. You've given me tips on little things when I need it sometimes on ways to be more productive in their marketing. And that's great. And that has a place and productivity is important, but it's intentional productivity. It's again, having something that it's not just getting more efficient at doing something that ultimately isn't serving you and makes you continually come back with that negative return on investment, but being productive and really finding the tips and tools and tricks to apply to the things that you want to be doing and ultimately are nurturing and watering those seeds underneath. So then that way it does start to streamline and it feels less like work and the the motivation required and the, the pressure put on you feels different. So you start to notice that offloading of stress 
to onboard more of that sense of excitement and the you start to kind of re- rebuild your energy savings. I think about like the, I don't, well, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. And so I think about Gringotts Bank and like the vault of Harry Potter. And when he, he looks inside and he has all this cash in there, I don't remember what they're called, the coins that are in there. And so you imagine getting to that point where you give yourself permission to say, I can actually build my savings again. I don't have to spend all my energy in time coins. I can start to build that up and I have the right to do that and I can be excited about it because I get to choose how and when and where I spend them rather than being stuck in this cycle of sort of playing catch up and having that feedback loop in our brain that keeps us stuck. Yes, I love that. And I think this is something I've been assessing too. And it's amazing that when you do kind of take maybe that like expand your vision and start investing your time and energy in multiple areas that are related to your values versus just like being very focused on work, which I've definitely been caught up in that mm-hmm. in the last few years. And for me, I've noticed as I've expanded and really been like investing in different areas of my life um, that are value driven, it's amazing how much more energy you get from that. And for me, I find that it's like energizing me even more around my business and therefore naturally becoming more productive without having to sit there and try and force it because I'm like, I need to sit here for eight hours and do all these things. But it's really allowed me just to feel more energized overall. And I feel like I sleep better. And it's just, it's amazing. It's like, again, this kind of letting go. Yeah but also being very intentional at the same time. Yeah. And I, I always go back to, and I, I wrote a post about it. I don't know, a year and a half ago or so. It was shortly after you and I first met and we had that we're supposed to be connected feel and we started spending time together and our dates ended up becoming, you know, four hour long excursions of we'd always have lunch or breakfast, but we would go do something fun together. And oh, it was with the time that we were going to go kayaking. And I was so excited for this day all the way up till the the morning of. And then I felt this, I'm looking at my to-do list. I'm looking at all the things that I need to get done, you know, quote unquote, need to get done. And I'm thinking, oh shit, I shouldn't go. I, this is irresponsible. I need to get all these things done. Maybe I should just cancel. Maybe we can move plans. You know, all of that pressured feeling that we all get and we're aware of, because in my head, spending time with you as much as I loved it, it was like, well, that's a luxury. And you you can't afford to go and do those things when you really should be working. And then I remember you and I, we closed the brunch place down. I think they were gone. We were the only people there at that point sitting outside. And you and I both ended up having this conversation around just how much better we felt when we would spend these afternoons together. We, you know, we weren't, I think our business came up in conversation. It wasn't the focus. But both of us left more energized for our work and in our own lives after taking that four or five, six hours, however long it was, that we went and did that because it, again, that return on our investment for that time was so much bigger than spending that five or six hours just feeling like I'm on the ground, on the grind, and then feeling resentful I can't go do these things and wishing I could and trying to force myself to do something. And I think I came back and I spent an hour or two getting a few things done that afternoon. And it it was a totally different feeling than it would have been had you and I not had that time together and refilled our cups with something that charged us in a way that felt so good and gave us energy to keep doing the things that we wanted to do. 
Yes, that was such a beautiful day. And I'm, I'm with you too. I think it was like a Saturday. And I think we're both guilty of kind of wanting to work on our businesses on the weekend mm-hmm. because we are so busy spending the week serving other people. And I mean, I do remember us having very natural conversations. And it was almost like we were able to take that 10,000 foot view and really look at the big picture and almost reconnect to our whys so that we weren't just in the trenches writing the next blog post and social media, but it allowed us to be a lot more intentional with our next steps. And I mean, we're both solopreneurs. So I think sometimes just having that space to just talk things through out loud really helps us, you know, again, make sure that we're aligned with our own values and our own intentions and we're not getting sidetracked by different opportunities and just saying yes to things, but it's almost that accountability to stay on track and move towards, towards our goals in a very purposeful way. Yeah. And if we don't do it and we don't embody it, how can we expect the people that we work with to, to do that? You know, because even if we put out the content or we, we share the message, our energy isn't going to model those same things. And so it's, I think both of us learning that we have to really lean into the things that we find important that we want to share and extend to other people. And we have to live it and and walk through that and struggle through it and go alongside of sometimes the people that we serve and revamp our own stuff in order to continue to, to again, just bring those values and authentic views into the world and into our business practices. Yeah. And I think that ties back to being, you know, our authentic selves. Like you were saying before, there's, you know, we are our businesses and our businesses are us. And so it's not always going to be picture perfect. And I think being able to share a little bit of that transparency really helps connect with other people. And I think we do then attract the right people to us because that energy is felt a lot more than necessarily the caption that's put on your social media. I think people really do feel your energy and and have a an understanding of if you are coming from this place of scarcity again or more of abundance and and coming to serve versus just trying to make that next dollar. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And there's something else that or another topic that you really talk a lot about, which is assertive communication. Mm-hmm. And I would love to go there because I think you have such a wonderful way of breaking this down and thinking about the ways and methods in which we communicate with people. And it's an area I've learned so much from you on. And so I'd love to maybe talk a little bit about, you know, how do we authentically communicate who we are? And then maybe if there's a way that that also ties to our values and how those can help shape our communications. Yeah, I think there's so much around, it's again, similar to this idea of productivity and what do we do? There's a million different resources on how to be an assertive communicator. And I think there's a couple of things that are really important if we're going to truly empower people to be more assertive because the goal of assertive communication is to be able to communicate who we are authentically and fully and make space for that person, for us to show up in the world while simultaneously making space and allowing other people to be present in the world as well. So it's really about this sort of neutral position that everyone can be in and not taking on what is not ours in terms of responsibility and not over connecting to other people and putting responsibility onto them for our own lives. And there's really, I think, 
again, people look for, I often call them like the band-aids. So, so many, so many books, so many tips, so many tricks are putting band-aids on this big internal wound and that'll work for a period of time. But if I just teach you, here's, here's how you say no, and here's how to set a boundary and here's how to do these things without looking at why doing those things is really difficult. All you're doing, again, it's kind of like putting the paint on the shit covered walls. It doesn't ultimately get you where you want to go. And so this idea of what we've been talking about with values-driven living and really connecting to our resource spending is kind of the anchor point in terms of becoming a stronger communicator. It's really going back and looking at what are our core beliefs about ourselves, who we are, our place in the world, and the value that we have, and getting clear on where shames come into play. Shame is an emotion that is universally felt and experienced, and it is a threat to connection and belonging. And it's, it's there because all of us need to feel connection and belonging. And so the potential for threat of disconnection can be so high. And for all of us, our shame narratives can be overwhelming and often lead to this sort of predictably shitty existence and the performance self. And so we have to get clear on all of the ways that those beliefs and our shame has come into play, how our, the ability to be assertive is not just to set boundaries with other people and to communicate clearly with other people, but to figure out how to communicate in an assertive way with ourselves, to make more space for us to our negative self-talk shifting to more of a neutral place and really thinking about how we, how we can feel solid and rooted in ourselves and trust that that can then start to extend in the way we communicate with other people. And so in a really kind of small example is thinking, well, if somebody is feeling like I am, I spend all my time on email, I feel like my boss is always needing something or people are always bugging me, I can't get things done, or I'm always having to do X, Y, and Z. Well, maybe there's a boundary that needs to be set. Maybe it's not answering emails before a certain time of day, or it's not taking on the responsibility to do things that really aren't your responsibility. Well, again, I can give you a tool or a trick to do that. But if underneath your core belief is that you're only worthy and valuable, if you are in service of other people and you have to take care of everything for everybody else in order to have that sense of connection and belonging, well, no shit, you're going to keep ending up back in that same cycle where you're doing all the things for people, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like you're not seen, you're not heard, your boundaries aren't being respected because ultimately your belief underneath is that you aren't worthy of that. And so I think a lot of the the work to be done for all of us as communicators is not about trying to buy the next book of Band-Aids, but thinking instead, how do I get at where those stories came into play for me about what role I'm supposed to have and how I'm supposed to be showing up and all of those shoulds and pressures. How do you grieve that, let go of that, disentangle yourself from that, and then work on making this foundation that is really about allowing yourself to be seen, to stop performing, to stop colluding with those beliefs. And then again, allowing yourself to show up in a space and, and, by doing so, modeling to other people that they can show up fully as well. This is such a deep topic. I feel like I want to go so much further. And so I, I'm trying to not nerd out on communication, but yes, hopefully that makes sense. Yes, I'm nerding out with you. I could just listen to you talk about this 
all day long. <laughs> I mean, that shame narrative, I think oh, it's such a powerful thing that if we can sit with that, and like you said, there's going to be grieving in that process because mm-hmm. you're letting go of what feels like a piece of you because you've lived and breathed it for so long. Um, but that, I mean, the whole idea of being able to kind of grieve that, let that go, and then reshape that in a way that is going to allow you to really bloom into who you are. And then that ultimately gives permission to other people to do the same is so, so powerful. And I think that's something that if we could all learn to do that, I mean, can you imagine the world we'd be in? And I know we're all doing it in little ways, but it just, I think that just like gives me goosebumps and makes me, my heart almost feel joy because I think there is so much power and we can do it. And we can all do it in just like small little ways that I think really can transform our own lives and the people that are around us. Yeah. yeah. And so you talked a little bit about, you know, this kind of being seen aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So I talk a lot about, you know, how do you become seen and heard? And so a lot of it is, again, being able to show up as our authentic selves to then connect with other people. So I'd love to hear if you have any action steps for listeners today to kind of think about how can we stop playing small and maybe take that 1% change to kind of really being seen and heard, especially in the digital space, if we're on social media, for example. Yeah, I think honestly, the first part before making any change is just assessing your current situation. And I think that is the place. So I talk a lot about how every long lasting change requires 50% insight, 50% action. And too often, I feel like we rush to action before building the insight, which only gets us stuck back in the cycle of feeling like things are never going to work and we feel disgruntled and resentful and burnt out. And so I think I'd love to put out this invitation for people to spend more time in the ickiness, in the uncomfortable places to get to know what is my shame narrative? What's the story that I've told myself about what I have to do in order to be successful, what I'm supposed to look like, be like, act like, how much money I'm supposed to make in order to be worthy of whether that's love, connection, belonging, whatever that is, and getting clear on that so that we can start to create the framework of where to go from there. Because otherwise, I think anything else would be a disservice because we're just, again, sort of layering more paint on on these walls that just need to be scraped back down. And so I, I'll happily send this to you and you could include it in the show, show notes of the resource tool that I put together for people to start to do those that assessment of your fuck spending and to really think about how how that has led to a performance, how that has led to needing to act and be a certain way. And then maybe really checking in with what would it look like if I didn't do that anymore? And I think part of the the thought is, what am I afraid of? What would what would happen if I let these things go? Where what stories do I have to relinquish or let go of? And and oftentimes it's even thinking, who's been writing my story for me? And what does it look like if I take the pen and I start authoring my own narrative? And so I think step one is for you to truly see yourself and to look at those parts of yourself that there's a rapper NF that had, I think it's called Mansion. It's this beautiful song that basically talks about how 
letting fear in and all these ways that they compare their their brain and their life to this mansion and this house. And they talk about this room that everything's sort of gotten trapped and stuck in. I almost think about it like the junk drawer nobody wants to open, but it becomes this room that has so much power because it's where your fear and your shame and resentment and anger and sadness and pressure and the shoulds all go to exist. And I think we have to open the door. We have to we have to sort through it and then we can start to decide, you know, kind of this picking it up and does it bring you joy? But this idea of thinking, well, how is it serving me? And what can I do with these thoughts, with these stories, with these feelings to better shift and align them to either serve me or let go of and grieve them and not carry them with me into the next chapter of my life? Oh, that was such gold. I think we all need to Marie Kondo our shame closets. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That is the new slogan right there. I love it. I think so. That's it. Oh my gosh. That was just amazing. Yeah. Sitting with that ickiness can be so uncomfortable, but it it it's so important to make sure that we're being intentional with the action that we then take. And I see that a lot with clients too, who just want to move straight into action with marketing and mm-hmm. Yes, you can do that, but it's not going to serve you in the long term because, again, you're not sitting with, you know, what is the reason behind this? What are the intentions? You know, how does this truly align with our brand and and ultimately the customers? Because you want to make sure that you're resonating with them. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So, I mean, I could talk to you for hours and I know we do. Maybe we'll have to record a special (laughs) five-hour long podcast, (laughs) Brock. But... um, Before I ask my last question, I would love for you to share where listeners can connect with you online. Yeah. I, so I think any, I think every social media platform, it's adversity rising. So at adversity rising, my website is adversityrising.com. I would say connecting through Instagram or through my website are probably the two best ways. I think more often than not, even I just if people feel like they're connected to something I'm saying, or they just want to learn more, I just really email me, DM me on social media. I think so much of this, again, it's about taking the invitations to go deeper. And if you are connecting with what I'm saying, what I'm doing, the best way for us to figure out how I can support you or take you to that next step is just to connect one-on-one and figure out what that looks like for you and really help you consider what that deeper dive in terms of healing those internal wounds looks like. So I would, I will send all that information to you. I would love to hear from people, emails, phone calls, anything, the more personal, the better. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. Everyone reach out to you. (laughs) The power in what you do is amazing. And I will definitely include everything you just mentioned in the show notes. And so I'm going to close by asking you to tell us a little bit more about how does being intentional show up in your life and business? For me now, I think the two things that I've really been paying attention to is, so, and you know this, in a lot of my conversations and within my membership portal and our monthly calls, it feels like all of my metaphors and everything are now uh, baby related. So I think hopefully at some point I'll extend back out into everything else. But I think there are so many things that, like I said, are amazing about being a mom And then there are things that really suck. And some are usually a mixture of both at the same time. And I've found myself sometimes when things really suck, I'll be like, oh, I just can't wait till this is better. You know, when she was first born, I I can't wait till I can sleep for more than an hour and a half, or I can't wait for these things, or won't it be so nice when she can 
put her pacifier back in her own mouth or whatever that might be. But sometimes I think this idea of sort of wishing for the next good part, we know we never really exist within it because we start to train our brain to just keep almost leapfrogging to wanting something different than what we currently have. And we train it to avoid the discomfort of whatever is currently in our space. And so one thing I'm really working on in my business and in my personal life is to whatever the reality is of what's happening right now, just be in it, be present in it, be part of it. For for example, you know this, I've had to really revamp. I had this amazing idea. It really came to fruition for you and I when we had our retreat to start my membership portal. I put everything together. I launched it. I'm now six months in and I'm revamping it. And what it looks like now is completely different. And I had this feeling of like, oh, I have to do this and this and this. And instead it's going, you know what? Right now it feels a little jumbled and that's okay. Be with it. Be in it. See what you can learn. See how you can connect. And so I'm trying to train my brain not to retreat when things are painful or uncomfortable and to then be able to be present in that so I can also be more present in the positive. Because otherwise you're just you're just waiting for the next shitty thing to happen and you're never actually existing in the good and you're constantly in hypervigilance mode for the next bad or should or pressure or thing you you know you have to be doing. And so just noticing, acknowledging. And then I think the second thing for me is I have the the beauty and the gift and the work that I do to bring in my own experiences and stories and to find the ways that they can best help and support other people. And so I really try to model my model vulnerability by sharing my journey and to not expect myself to be further along than I am because people are my husband tells me this all the time as a public speaker, this idea, he says, people just want a connection. They could Google everything that I am saying. If they really want to go learn about shame, they can Google it. They can read a Brene Brown book, watch her TED Talk, watch her Netflix special, whatever it is, or find probably 74,000 other people that talk about it. People are wanting to be with me for the connection I can bring. And so the only way that I can best serve them is to be authentic, show up with where I'm at now and focus on connection over perfection. And the more I embody those two things, the more I think I can keep anchoring to my values and extend the invitation for other people to do that and to live in the the growth and the opportunity for evolution and pivoting and and I guess question and curiosity rather than chasing their own idea of perfection or some sort of end goal as well. That was a truly beautiful answer. And I, I agree with you so much in all of that so heartfelt and just being present and with through the good, the bad, and just kind of acknowledging it for what it is and just truly trusting that, you know, everything is temporary. And again, when we can be very intentional and root into our values and focus on those connection points, I think that's when we do build our most authentic lives. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kira, thank you so much for being here. This was truly just a magnificent episode, I think, full of so much permission to allow ourselves to be in the icky and in the good and to just really create the lives we want to create for ourselves. Thank you. And thanks for putting this out to just for all of us to keep learning and growing and connecting on such an important topic and focus. 
Okay. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode is available. And if you really love this episode, please rate and review the podcast so that other conscious business leaders like yourself can join our community of listeners. If you'd like to connect with me further, you'll find me hanging out on Instagram at Charlotte Chipperfield. Come join me there or check out chipperfieldmedia.com for free resources, subscribe to my monthly newsletter, and learn more about the holistic marketing system. 